0: There's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky.
1: On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The gospel of the Lord. Foreigners, foreigners, foreigners. If you've not seen the latest Ken Burns documentary on PBS called The U.S. and the Holocaust, I highly recommend it. It is not for the faint of heart, but it is one of those things I believe we should all see. Even if you think you've heard that history before or that you've heard enough of that history before, this seems different to me. It tells a different story about the way particularly that the United States handled the issue of Jews as foreigners and as refugees and as immigrants before and during and after the war. And it has a lot to teach us about how we do or how we do not do immigration well these days still. My sermon for today was already done when I finished up that series late last night. So all I'm prepared to share about all of that is a little public service announcement and some pastoral encouragement to take the time to watch it. I'm sure it will come up again in some other way, shape, or form down the road. In the meantime, have you heard the stories lately about the migrants from our southern border who are helping with the hurricane recovery and rescue and rebuilding in Florida? It is a thing. And it feels like a cosmic kind of irony to me that many of the people who just a few weeks ago were being toyed with, like so many pawns in one of the ugliest, most controversial political games we have going in our country these days, have made their way to the rescue in Florida, despite the fact that that state's governor in particular is the source of so much of the drama that surrounds them. What I mean is, the very people, or people very much like the very people, who a couple of weeks ago were being flown and bussed around the country to score political points about our broken immigration system, have since headed right into the source of the drama to help save the day. Apparently, this is nothing new, though. And prevalent enough that there are even non-profit organizations that facilitate these efforts and that advocate for the safety and for the fair treatment of the migrants who do that kind of work. There is an organization called Resilience Force, just for example, which helps thousands of undocumented immigrants move around our country from one disaster to another disaster as they clean up and rebuild homes and businesses that get destroyed by hurricanes and tornadoes and tropical storms and the like. One Mexican roofer who does this sort of thing describes himself and others like him as being like traveling white blood cells who congregate after a disaster to heal a place and then move on to heal the next place, and then the next place, and then the next place. place. Apparently, Hundreds of these people have made their way to Florida in the wake of Hurricane Ian. They're coming from places like New York and Dallas and Houston, again, the very states and places to and from which they were being shipped in the first place. Of course, migrants do this work because they're smart and because they're resourceful and because they're desperate enough to, I imagine. It's hard, dangerous work. They get screwed out of compensation, they risk their safety, and they endanger their very lives by working without insurance, for instance, or without any kind of safety net to help them when things go wrong. That's what some of the organizations like Resilience Force exist to help with. But it's not only about wages or job security or, self-preservation for these foreigners. Resilience Force also leads these migrant workers on service projects, where undocumented immigrants rebuild homes for uninsured Americans, who are very much like them, without any kind of safety net at a really hard time in their life. And then they host meals, where those American homeowners and American business owners get together with the migrant workers to get to know one another better. They build relationships, they break bread, they become friends, and their minds and their opinions and their politics even often change because of that. And when I read about this, and when I read then this morning's gospel about Jesus and that Samaritan foreigner, I couldn't help but connect some of the dots. Yes, there's a lot in this gospel about inviting us toward deeper gratitude and more faithful responses to God's blessings in our lives. No one wants to be like those other nine knuckleheads who didn't turn around and thank Jesus for what he'd done. But I've told that story before. I've preached that sermon many times, and I will probably again one day. What makes this story different The key player today in this gospel, the surprise twist for anyone who heard about what happened with Jesus and those lepers that day in some village somewhere between Samaria and Galilee, is all about the Samaritan. It said he was a foreigner. It mattered to Jesus, and it should matter to us that this guy was an outsider in a group of outsiders. Yes, this guy was an outsider within a group of outsiders. He was an outcast among the outcasts. He was a foreigner. So he was also a leper to the lepers, you might say. I wonder if that's why he turned around honestly in the first place. I wouldn't be surprised if once they were all healed, the rest of them left this guy in the dust and returned to their homes because they were no longer bound to him by the disease that they shared. The other nine were utterly liberated. This guy, though, was still a foreigner. Still an outcast. Still an outsider, no matter how healed he had been. Which is why Jesus lifts him up as a model for us of faithfulness. Jesus lifts him up as an example that the other nine and we could learn from. In doing that, Jesus reminds whoever's paying attention that where God is concerned, there are no outsiders or insiders. There are no us and them. There are no insiders and outsiders, no illegal children of God, if you will. After all, Jesus didn't ask for the foreigners' papers. He didn't expect him to assimilate or naturalize or pledge allegiance before he was healed. He just loved him. He just healed him, right along with all the others. So it is a reminder for us that our boundaries are not God's boundaries, whether those boundaries are political or religious or theological or ethnic or whatever. I also heard Howard Stern interview Jan Wenner last week. Jan Wenner the creator of Rolling Stone magazine. Among other things, they were waxing nostalgic about the last 50 or so years that Rolling Stone magazine has been doing its thing in the music business. But generally, they were talking about John Lennon, about what a genius he was on so many levels, and about what a tragedy it is that he's no longer alive among us doing his thing. And they marveled specifically about the song, Imagine, and the seemingly earth-shattering, mind-blowing, groundbreaking ideas that Lennon sings about in that masterpiece. And Howard Stern, a self-professed atheist, who I actually have a fair amount of respect for, swooned over John Lennon's encouragement to, as the song goes, imagine there's no countries, it isn't hard to do nothing to kill or die for, and no religion, too. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You know the song, right? If you don't know the song, I will pray for you, and you will have to take that up with Jesus when the time comes. (laughs) Anyway, in today's gospel, Jesus himself embodies what John Lennon, genius though he was, could only imagine. Jesus embodies what we can only imagine too much of the time. In that moment, with that Samaritan, there were no countries. No nationality, no country mattered any more than any other in that village somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. There was no religion, too. Jesus was not a Christian, remember. And those lepers were healed before they ever made it to the priests. Religion had nothing to do with it, only their faith. And there was no hell down below, and there was no heaven up above somewhere far and away either, because heaven was happening right there among them. Grace was shared. Healing had come. Gratitude was expressed. New life had taken shape. The outsider was all of a sudden allowed in. Faith and life had come together and all was well. Imagine. And then let's stop imagining it and let's make it be so. Let's stop imagining what we are called to embody, you and I, as God's people on the planet. Let's see all of it, our country and theirs, as God's creation. Let's see all of us and all of them, whoever they might be, as God's children too. Let's talk about and let's seek out the common ground of our faith more often than we argue about what divides us where religion is concerned. And let's do like Jesus did. And like Jesus calls us to do just the same, let's embody the kind of grace, courage, welcome, and mercy that so much of the world has very good reason to doubt, to deny, to long for still, and to merely imagine, unless or until we show them how real it is and how real it can be by the grace of God we know, in Jesus
0: Christ. Amen. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say that I'm a dream.